to go. Lewis has been awesome. Let's it go. Inbounds Turner, left side of the backcourt. Turner crossed the timeline, throws it from high on the right. He hit it! He hit it! He hit it! Turner! He hit it just inside of half court! Lane's on the other wing. Bang! Oh! 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 Sapped it in, Jerome! College basketball! This is March Madness! All right, here we go. Mad About Hoops is back. I hope you guys are having a great holiday season out there, getting ready to ring in the new year and enjoy some college basketball. As college football will be finished soon. The NFL will be finished soon. And then the sport that we know and love and the sport that we follow, Evil Bald Colin, year-round, everybody's going to jump in. And you know what? We welcome everybody. Come aboard. It's a weird stretch. So I always say every year, December's kind of that month where it kind of gets hazy. Even as a big fan, you kind of, you know, if you're also into, like, the NFL or college football, you, you tend to, like, lose your attention span with college basketball. Maybe in the slightest, and you might miss a few things. But it's going to ramp up so fast here. Especially, that's the beautiful part about how conference play starts right there at the start of the new year. Everybody dives in. It's like you don't skip a beat. You're into the heart of your schedule. It's going to be a wild ride. Yeah, how's everything been going with you? What have you been really paying attention to here in the college basketball slate? We didn't get to drop a podcast last week, so we're sorry. This is episode 8, week 9 of the college basketball season. We're going to give you a second episode this week to catch up so we can at least we can at least stay with that and then in the future will it'll almost be like how all the sports games out there. It's Madden 20, it's NHL 20. I mean, it all drops. They're all like a year ahead. We're going to get ahead of that bar. So we'll get to a point I would imagine where we're doing like episode 20 in week 15 because there will be a lot more stuff once conference sure. play comes out. So it's uh, it's a fun time, sort of the like we talk about going into holiday tournaments, the calm before the storm here. Yeah, I, I personally like, especially during this time of year, I like to watch, you know this about me, I love to watch the polls as it goes towards this part of the year because I want to see what the perception of each conference is looking like from the national whole. More importantly, I mean, just being based in here in Columbus, I like to see what the opponents Ohio State's already played and who they're going to play and how they shape up and maybe how, in my opinion, whether they're getting enough respect or not. I mean, just looking at a few, a team we've talked about a lot, we interviewed a player from their team, but I don't think they're getting enough respect and maybe that's just because I agree. the record I agree. of who they've beaten, Dayton at 20. They're much better than the number 20th team because they lost two overtime games. Why? Seriously, that's a great point. Let's start right there. And we do want to thank Trey Landers again for jumping on last week's podcast or episode seven. If you have not listened to that one, please make sure that you subscribe when uh, you're listening to us here. Leave us a review. Tell us what you think. Hopefully you you think it's a five. I mean, why wouldn't you give us five stars? I mean, don't we don't we sound like nice guys? Sounds like a five-star podcast to me. I sure hope so. Yeah, I sure hope so. And then check out Trey Landers. Really... Uh, incredible dude. He's, uh, he's got a very interesting backstory with, uh, how his father passed away and just everything that the game means to him. He's got a brother that plays football for what we hoped would be a national championship, Ohio state team. But Trey is a, a very critical component to a really good Dayton flyers team. I wholeheartedly believe 
in what you just said, Colin, in your assessment with how the flyers just dropped, it's exactly the kind of treatment that the pollsters won't give Gonzaga. And they're giving it to Dayton, and it's not fair. It's, it's the histor- not fair. It's the historical context. That's really it. But I believe, this might be a hot take, but I believe Dayton owns currently right now the player that's my leader for player of the year, Naismith player of the year. I think We him, know him, yeah. Think we'll try to get him on the podcast Toppin, too, Obi. Along with, I'd probably put him one and two with Marcus Howard from Marquette are probably my two top guys right now in the sport that just completely dominate it night in and night out. But watching teams like Dayton just get kind of disrespected in the polls, West Virginia didn't move up that much. I mean, I get it. Ohio State looks sloppy. One of their better post players is now a battling appendicitis, it sounds like. That's still a very good win. And, I mean, their loss, even at that, doesn't look too bad to St. John's team, who was predicted to be last in the Big East. There's just so much that is just so unpredictable with the sport right now that I think even the pollsters don't even know which way to go. I didn't even really know until now why Butler was kept down. Because Butler started strong. They sunk their teeth into a meaty schedule right away. Look at... Look at your Butler Bulldogs and who they played. Minnesota and Richard Patino, third game of the season. Which we found out is a pretty good team. Pretty good team. Pretty tough place to go and play, right? Or I, I mean, They put it in Hinkle, yeah. That's right. You didn't go to Minnesota, but still you saw like the, that one-two punch that the Golden Gophers have. Carr had a great game, too. down low. Yeah. Yeah, and Carr was good. You played Missouri, SEC team, right? You played Stanford, team that not many people were respecting until, oh, you wake up and say, oh, the Kansas is going to Stanford. Uh, flying there with one engine, by the way. That's the stuff that's going on. Kansas yeah, basketball flying a plane with one engine. Thank God for the pilot, right? You got to, who is the dude that landed the plane in the Hudson Sully, Sully. Yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, yeah. it was maybe it was some uh, relative of Sully that was piloting the Jayhawks there. Job well done by him. I saw he treated himself to some In-N-Out burger upon the uh, safe <laughs> landing. Stanford's good. Butler played and beat the Cardinal. Ole Miss, really solid basketball team. Florida. I mean, th- these are teams that Butler beat, okay? Not just teams they played, teams that they beat. And they had a one-point loss. You and I were texting all night about six, the Baylor. X's and O's, about what mm. uh, Coach should have been doing to maybe free up Kamar Baldwin to get that open shot. We kind of disagreed on what was going on there. They lost to Baylor on the road. True road game to Baylor. Came back and smacked up Purdue, the in-state foe. I don't know how that doesn't get you in the top ten. And Baldwin's not playing well right now. At least offensively, I heard uh, Laval go on an interview with John Rostin the other day talking about you know how the team's still picking up. This is a deep starting five, and they have a deep bench with it that come Big East time, it's got what it takes to take the rigorous schedule of all those teams involved and go a distance. But, you know, I can't totally argue with all the teams they have in front of them. Maybe Memphis is probably the team I have the most question about. I don't know if really Memphis pops off the page, especially with losing Wiseman. Yeah, why, not many people are going to pay much attention. They've got the uh, Achua kid. Like, what's their biggest win? Tennessee? Precious. Tennessee probably is Memphis's biggest win. And that's, they have pl- uh, that's they, they played Oregon. They lost to Oregon, right? They yes. beat Tennessee when Tennessee was still ranked in the top 20. But you're finding out... We we knew that the Vols, right? Like, we knew that the Vols were losing an awful lot. So this was going to be sort of a year of transition and a trying year for Rick Barnes there, who goes from one shade of orange to another shade of orange, from 
Texas to Tennessee. But it's it's rough for them when you get housed by Wisconsin yeah, that's at your spot. Point. And Wisconsin's a team that I expect is going to be good. It's like most middle-of-the-pack Big Ten teams. They're going to play tough. They're going to play the Buckeyes tough on Friday night when they come to the Schottenstein Center. I, just one more thing on Butler. I think they're getting the unfair treatment of what they scheduled at the time was a very good schedule. Just the teams on it haven't panned out. I think that's unfortunate. There's some teams on Ohio State schedule like UNC that's probably going to be the same thing for them. It's just it's not really anything they can control, which is unfortunate. Tell uh, tell the folks what you like to do. We are all, both of us, you and I, of course, are sick and twisted in how we love college basketball. You're talking about the polls. Yeah, I'm talking about the polls. And this podcast is called Mad About Hoops, and I'm hoping that a lot of the people that find us and start listening, you are just... You're just what we like to call hoop heads. Like, you are just crazy. You're just crazy about this. This dude here, t- t- tell him what you do. Yeah, so there's a website called College Poll Tracker, which actually tracks every AP poll for both the football aspect and the basketball aspect. How each voter votes, who they're biased towards, who they give more favor to, and who they tend to put lower than the average ranking that the team gets. It's... um. You start to learn that maybe some of what goes into the polls, you know, maybe people aren't watching the teams as closely as we might. Certain teams, I know, I don't want to say there's a whole lot of, like, hate bias by some people, but it's one of these polls that really tries to examine, you know, is there something behind somehow how these people vote, which is interesting, but, yeah, I might be sick with it. So, Congratulations. You're crazier than I thought you were. Well, I will say a lot of Ohio State fans do know the guy John Wilner, who works out in San Jose. And I don't think and I don't basketball. think they do. There's, evil. I well, don't think they do. Maybe just a group of people that I know. I think it's a group of maybe like six people like, might, in the world. You might be right. That know whoever you just said. Where's Where's John Wilner? John Wilner, the San Jose Mercury. San Jose Mercury. Way out there, and yeah. he just has a bias against Ohio State. A bias so against Ohio the State, and more says. towards the Big Twelve or the Pac Twelve. So, so get this straight: Evil Bald Colin goes to a website where someone who's running this website is even sicker than him because he's looking and pulling together every single AP voter and what their polls are, and analyzing deep-seated analysis of who their bias is for and who their bias is against. Hey. And he gets mad about it. Like, g- this guy's got Ohio State <laughs> down at number nine in the country. And now, like, since the Buckeyes have lost a couple games, we're going to cool on that and the clamoring for them to be number one. That That's what has to happen. They're, they're still a great team. They're still ranked just fine for me at number five with a couple of losses now. I'm playing pretty poorly against Minnesota and West Virginia. Yeah, I I also heard John Rostin say something like in the last four or five games they have almost 71 turnovers, something like that. It's just the common theme that Holtman's been talking about all year is that the fact that they need to get that turnover to assist ratio in the right direction. And especially with the younger guys, you're getting a lot more of DJ Carton on the ball. And, you know, unfortunately he's been the one while he makes a lot of great plays. At the same time, he plays like a freshman at times with the ball. He's kind of careless when he goes into the lane. You kind of trade it off for what he can do in terms of finishing at the hoop, but it's not as crisp as you'd want it to be right now. All right, we're going to have much, much more on episode eight of Mad About Hoops in just a quick second. Don't go anywhere. Well, it's the end of the non conference slate, Tim. 
And we're heading into what was last year the toughest month for the basketball team for Ohio State. And the schedule looks tough this year, too, for the month. You've been going on and on about this January schedule coming up for the Buckeyes. I'm so nervous about it. Everybody's going to have a tough schedule come January. That's just what happens, right? If you play in a Power 5 conference, you're going to look up and down. This is it's time to zip it up, you know? You're right, but just how it stacks up in terms of the road games. I think you're more of your high-profile road games coming this month. What's the biggest concern to you? We're looking at Ohio State's number five team in the country. Of course, a couple of Columbus guys here. What's what's the biggest problem gotta, for you? It's got to be your back-to-back road games between Maryland and Indiana in the same week. You got to think. January 7th, January 11th at Maryland, at Indiana. Indiana, you know, I uh, I know you know the guy, Joey Brunk, of the course. transfer from Butler. Of course. Haven't watched him a ton, but just what I've seen, it got me thinking, you know what? That would have been someone that's nice to have. Just when you talk about behind Caleb Wesson, what the front court depth is at the five, someone who can just come in there Mm -hmm. and potentially be a double-double, dude. Yeah, I'm really surprised. I mean, just in the short time he's already been at Indiana, how much he's developed offensively. He's pretty good. Because he's always been pretty decent defensively. But he was at Butler, he always seemed like he was out of control with the ball. He was a big man that just seemed like he wasn't athletic enough to really hold the ball for long stretches of time or make a move. Anything outside of just a quick turn and shot. He's looking a lot better at Indiana. I, I mu- must just be a credit to what Archie Miller's been doing with him. But he's always been a good rebounder. He's going to do that for them, and he's already been doing that for the Hoosiers. But his offensive presence is a lot better than what I even could have imagined. Let me let me also make something clear about where I was with Ohio State. I was never one of these guys that was just going to pound my chest and say, oh, lock it up. Ohio State is running away with the Big Ten. Automatic championship. It was never that for me. What I was saying we back there. We simultaneously said what seed they would be at the start of the season. I think you said a five and I said a four. Or at that moment. We was, talked about that. Was I at a five? It was either a was five I or a really? four. It was right around that. But still, we were right I thought around. I'd be higher. I thought I was maybe a three, four at the at the lowest or the highest, whatever we call that. I think four was the highest or, or whatever lowest. besides the point. But we were, <laughs> right. Right, we were right around. We had to come to grips as, with that as basketball fans, by the way. Yeah. Do we call the one seed the high seed or the low seed? What's the one called and what's the 16 called? I'm going to confuse myself forever depending on. So, I, I mean, we as long just, as someone decides it. We should make our rule right now. If you're if you're a one seed, you're a low seed. Okay. All so right. Our lowest or the lowest I would have remembered. It's the you lowest saying numerical was value. It's the lowest numerical value. The high no, so you already screwed it up. Then it would have been the highest I would have said would be four. We said we're calling one low no, because if you Because I didn't I think know, you said I don't know three. what to do. I don't know how to do this. If you're the number one team in the country, you're not the lowest ranked team, right? You're the highest Correct. ranked team. Correct. So all right, one side one seeds we're calling the high seeds. That's what we're doing here. And I, I thought at the beginning we were around a four or five is what we were saying. And that was right around where their preseason ranking was. So yeah, I, I would say both you and myself, we weren't Pounding our chest is thinking this. I thought at the beginning of the season, I had them as 
third behind Michigan State and Maryland. The thing that I wanted for them was to rightfully get the number one ranking when I thought they deserved it. There was a point there two or three weeks ago where they were undefeated before they lost to Minnesota, and there wasn't any other team because rankings are fluid. Rankings always change. Sure. We get so up in arms about like, oh, nobody wants to be ranked number one. Like, oh, it's just going to be a revolving door. It's been more of a revolving door this year. Yeah, there's more teams that are wide open and fit to make a run at the Final Four, but you're always going to get knocked off your perch of being number one. It's tough to keep that for an entire season. You rarely find years where that's the case, where you go back to you know, Kentucky basketball, where they went all the way into the tournament before they lost their first game, where you were thinking... You know, the great Indiana team, the last one to finish it off undefeated. It's like the Dolphins in the NFL. You can't really pop champagne in college hoops, but, you know, hypothetically you would do that. I just I just thought they deserved the number one overall ranking. It still didn't mean that I thought they were just going to rip-roar right through the Big Ten basketball schedule. Are they a contender? Absolutely. You bet your butt. So. Their goal should be to win the Big Ten. But am I nervous about it as a Buckeye fan? Heck yeah. Like, this is going to be a meat grinder. Every single game you go into now, it is going to be like a West Virginia mentality game. And that would scare a lot of people. It scares me. I think they got the stuff. I think that they're going to take some lumps. They're not going to have a January or they're not going to have a stretch like they had last year where they lose five straight games. It doesn't scare me that much because for the most part, I think they'll be as good or better than the teams they come up against. But it's uh, it's go time. That's for everybody in the Big Ten, too. Yeah, and I'll, I'll extend it just in terms of the entire NTA itself. We, we've talked about it many times how wide open it is. I'm just you can go down the list of the teams in the AP top 25. I think there's realistically 15 teams that could win it all this year. I think if you Ooh. open it up that 15, but, could Butler make a it run? It might be more. Could it Butler might make be a run? more than that. Could Michigan make a run? Maryland's your number 15 team right now. That's a pretty good. I they've had some struggles. They're very short. We haven't talked about it enough. They're very short in the the front court right now because of the Twins leaving that they just had head out, the Mitchell Twins, that just had entered the transfer portal. But still, I mean, it's wide open, not only just in the national level, but like we've been saying all year long, the Big Ten. I don't think you could say anybody in the Big Ten right now has a stranglehold over the conference. Yes, we, the, all teams have only played two games right now, but you just go down the list of all the teams you can name that are in that top 25 and are also in the Big Ten. It's all interchangeable. I mean, we were talking about how maybe number 5 through 12 of the conference, you could put in any order. <laughs> you could almost do it with the whole entire hey. conference outside of a few at the bottom. Hey, Rutgers. Rutgers is 10-3, and three, I believe. And even the teams that are at the bottom of the conference with the gross records. Well, Nebra- uh, Nebraska's bad. Nebraska's bad, bad, but they beat Purdue. And I st- there's something in right. me that still sees Purdue and the rosters and the the roster and the guys they have. Well, did Harms play in that game cuz I know he was dealing with a concussion? I don't I don't remember. Cuz he missed the Butler game. That was big for them. But even still, I mean, but I thought if Harms is out there in trouble. My thing about Purdue is I thought that they could miss a guy like Harms with the depth that they had with Travion coming up and some of these other guys. Like uh, it's hard to replace that rim protector. Aaron uh, Aaron Wheeler, yeah, is Wheeler, the one at Purdue. Yes, am I getting him confused with the one at, with uh, who's the Michigan State? They have an Aaron Aaron at, Henry. Aaron Henry's Michigan State. Yeah, and these are both of those guys. Both those guys, by the way. 
Aaron Wheeler at Purdue, Aaron Henry at Michigan State. I have been expecting these guys to step up yep. and become much better basketball players. Well, Henry has to. I mean, we expected Langford to be out extended time. Quite honestly thought he could miss the entire season. Now that is confirmed. Henry has to if Michigan State has any chance of winning the Big Ten. I can't believe I'm still sticking on this thing that you said about how 15 college basketball teams could win it all. That wasn't just that wasn't just a make a run or have a chance to sneak in and be one of those teams in the final four. Because, I mean, listen, we do live in a world where Loyola sneaks its way into a final four. So that's a bit of a different discussion. Just being a team, there might be 30, 35, 40 teams that catch the right kind of upset and then maybe a one seed goes down in your region and you're playing an eight or a nine with a chance to get on to the Sweet 16. Then you just have to fight through two basketball games and you're there. That might be a wildly big number, the teams that could actually get hot and make a run to the Final Four. Wichita State this year at 11-1 and right now, sneaking into the polls. They could be one of those teams. But, I'm yeah, you you throw uh, – you go down to Kentucky. Kentucky's ranked 17. So, yes, it is going to be a group. Florida State ranked 18th teams? right now. Sure. One of my preseason Final Four picks, that was my – that was my fun, remember, off the board, not a ranked team pick. And Dayton, I mean, Dayton, Dayton has a very Dayton. good chance at a Final Four. Yeah, I, I'll they say do. it. They do. Dayton has Obi Toppin and our guy Trey Landers and a, and very, a lot of other good parts. A very deep and veteran team. They are. They're really good. CB, we started off with, with this being sort of the Ohio State segment. And we, as you can tell, we try to not like make it just Ohio State sure, stuff because we know we're trying to do this podcast for everybody. We are two dudes that are in Columbus, and we love the fact that the Buckeyes have a great team. We can sort of, if you're outside of the area, inform you on things with this basketball team that if you see them later down the line, if you catch your squad matched up with the Buckeyes, you will have some other things to impress your friends with some of the knowledge. The thing that we'll always go back and forth on is Caleb Wesson and what he's got to be. You saw this dude's name. If you follow some of the uh, like Myron Metcalfs around there and you've got some of your favorite college basketball analysts, there were a number of lists that we saw him on. Andy Katz, I think, where Caleb was thought to be a top 10, top 15 player in the country for the Ohio State Buckeyes here. And CB, it's just something that I guess I'm going to go. I've just so honed in on him. I just want him to reach his full potential so bad and be that all around versatile player. It's like I'll go I'll go around and around with Caleb for my entire life, or at least as long as he's a player at Ohio State. Sure. Because right now, for me, the offense is the major issue with Caleb Wesson. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, it's not going to help with the young out. I'll tell you that right now. Because Kyle gonna, Young he's talking yeah, about. They're gonna be easy. It's gonna be easy for teams to say, okay, we're just gonna double, sometimes even triple in the post if we need to, force the outside shooters to keep on doing what they were doing early in the season and take that chance. And at times last year, he wasn't very good with dealing with double teams in the post. I'll just be honest with you. But I've seen videos so far this year how he's done really well of getting the ball out of his hands fast to open perimeter shooters. I think he had one to Dwayne Washington in the the West Virginia game that comes to mind where he got it real quick. There was a collapsing defender on the opposite side, and he just threw it over top of him to the corner, and Washington hit the three. He's got to be able to do more of that, and he's got to be more decisive quicker. Here's everything you said is is right. 
Here's the thing that Coach Holtman just said in his radio show this week about Caleb's defense, which is, again, that's a complete opposite of what I'm sticking, my sticking point with him right now. But this is what he said about his defense and what he brings. He's getting there. I think he's he's shown real strides and improvement in that. You know, it's it's uh, it's a lot of work for a big guy to get up there and move like, like we ask him to move and like he wants to move. But he's shown the ability to do it. I've always talked about his basketball IQ being really high. He sees things. He is really smart, and he's a guy that I think tries to be such an unselfish player. And that's the thing for me. It's maybe flicking off that switch of unselfishness and being a guy that remembers that he is the biggest dude out there. Because he spent, maybe it's a mentality thing where he spent so much time losing weight. And folks, if you don't know him, that is a thing. Like this guy has lost probably close to 100 pounds from when he was a high school basketball player. Sure. I mean, it's been, and it's been from freshman to sophomore season and then another round of losing weight from sophomore season to this season that we're in. As, in his junior year and he's tested the NBA draft waters and gotten feedback, but he has really dedicated him on his conditioning and on his body, not just for hoops, but for life. And we do commend him on that. He's, he's done a great job, but he's got to sometimes remember that he's a power forward. He's a four slash five, and he should be able to put a left shoulder into somebody, draw contact, get a foul and still be able to make the basket. He's had too many games here evil bald Colin where he is under 50% from the floor and to be the 69610 guy out there you've got to be the 55% shooter on this basketball team you should be up near the tops of the Big 10 conference in field goal percentage he was 3 of 11 against West Virginia so in in that regard 10 of 15 from the free throw line isn't good enough and missing front ends of one and ones isn't good enough cuz you're not doing it from the floor that night, you owe us more from the free throw line. Yeah, especially when you're talking about West Virginia, a very physical team at that, especially on the defensive side of the ball. It's something he's worked on a lot with his game in terms of his quick turn shots. You know, he, he likes to do that spin to the, his left shoulder and go up with a shot. Um, you saw that quite a bit. He, when West Virginia wanted to get physical with him in the post, he wanted to rely more on that shot. You would like to see him go in and try to draw contact and going up to the hoop itself. I agree with you there. Uh, he, he's got the ability to do it. I know he's going to, and I don't know. I don't know really how else to put it. He's got the ability to do it. We just he's so need, close. We just need to see it. He's just so close. Yes. Yeah, he is this close from being the 20 and 10 guy, you know, instead of the 14 and 10 guy. It's really just looking to score three or four more times in a given game. I like the fact that he's incorporated the three-point shot. I think he needs that. I'd like to see less of him doing the head fake. How many times are we seeing that move now where it's becoming a bit predictable when you watch on TV? The head fake from the three-point line at the top of the key, and then the wild drive where you see the big 6'9", lumbering dude just going into the basket and almost sure to be a charge if he runs into anybody at all, right? Let's just let's shoot that shot if we're there, if shoot it's open. It or if you got the mid-range, just pull it up. Just pull up. Or just pass the ball off and then cycle through the offense and then work to the post. How about a little high-low? How about a little pick and roll from right there? That's what, instead like of the it. pump fake and then just going to drive, I don't need to see your dribble drive from the top of the key at the three-point line. I think specifically he needs that with a DJ Carton. When he's in the game playing point guard, I think that's especially important to run the pick and roll with him because... You know, it gives DJ more of an option. I feel like if he doesn't see someone within his close vicinity when he goes to the basket, he kind of gets – that's where his out-of-control 
nature gets into him and he'll he'll throw like an errant pass out mm-hmm. back yeah. or something like that. Yep. If you run that pick and roll well and he can just toss it up to Caleb and you know that creates itself a short opportunity for him at a high percentage rate. That that's one way you can help him get his aggressiveness back towards the hoop. It's something that that team needs a little refresher course on is making just the smart play is just being able to slow things down, read the court a little bit better. I should be shooting it here because I'm wide open and it's a quality shot. I shouldn't be trying to overpass guys that are in the paint already unless you see somebody crashing in for a wide open dunk, an alley-oop dunk or a layup. Let's just hit the turnaround shot and try to put something softly up on the rim and make the basket. And the turnover is clearly one of the biggest problems. If you turn the ball over 22 times in a basketball game against anybody that's half decent in the Big Ten, you will just lose. Just get, You'll just lose. And at that point, a lot of those turnovers are just not taking what the defense is giving you. Take, trying what, to create, the, yeah, take what they give trying you. Trying to create something that's not there. Just and don't slop it around. Just be decisive. Remember what got you here and what your basketball IQ is. Maybe that West Virginia game, then how physical it was, is something that just shows them, okay, remember, this is how on it you have to be night in and night out in the Big Ten. All right, I want to get one more thing from my friend Evil Bald Colin before we finish up today, and we haven't done a little uh, mid-major flavor in quite a while as we scan the country. So that's going to be coming up in just a second. You've got Mad About Hoops. All right, Tim, you know I love the mid-majors, and you know there's a lot going on. I mean, we have an undefeated team as a mid-major still remaining in San Diego State. The Aztecs. Already talked yeah. about them. That's a serious team. I, I The team that they got there is pretty dang impressive, and I, I think it's a team that could win a game, maybe two in the tournament, if they get the right draw. But I, I think we could go back to the well and just talk about some of these bigger name schools in the mid-major region or you know you can debate if this one team's still a mid-major i know you and i've gone back about this which one wichita state i'll give you the answer wichita state yeah they're a mid-major it's no offense they're it's a nothing to be offended about they're a mid-major in a tweener conference in a tweener conference it's like we discussed there are some schools in the american that are just mid-majors and there are some that are not uconn is not a mid-major UConn is not a mid-major. I would agree. They're in the Big East forever. They are a powerhouse, storied basketball program. Jim Calhoun said so. Get some facts and come back and see me. Wichita State. I'm sorry. Like the Emeka Okafor thing. Yeah, like Emeka, (laughs) Coke, uh, Coke Auditorium, Coke Arena. I think in Wichita. I never got a chance to go down there for a game. It was always on my bucket list. Being a Kansas guy. When they had the guys, when they had like Ron Baker and the crew there, and you know you have the the gold out and it just looks beautiful. Oh, Ron Baker was a great player. Van Vliet. You even had uh, Landry Shamit. Landry Shamit, yeah, Connor Frankham. Connor Frankham's not there anymore, is he? No, he's, he's not. done. He's done. He's done. He was a Kansas transfer. That's right. Yeah, he, I he remember was, that. I was, you know what? As a Kansas fan, I was glad to see it too. I was glad to see him find a home. And I think Wichita State is great for Kansas basketball. I don't mean Kansas Jayhawk basketball. I mean Just the, the state. state. Sure, and the absolutely. state in general, because when you look at the state of Kansas, it's it's up to KU, Kansas State, and Wichita State. That's it. I mean, those are those are that's literally a solid three. That's a I, solid I, three. Yeah. But how many states have that few Division One basketball programs? I mean, that's not a lot. Can't think. I mean, obvi- out of some of the, like the obvious ones, like maybe like a Rhode Island or something like that. But outside, right, yeah, yeah, you got to go. I mean, even think of Nebraska. Let's just do Nebraska for example, the neighbor to the north. Creighton, Omaha. Yeah, oh, like literally Omaha. That's yeah. a Division One program. Creighton, Omaha, Nebraska. So there's at least three. 
that I can think of. I don't think that might else. only be the three. Yeah. Similar kind of states, though. When you think about it, it's it's a lot of farmland, right. a lot of farmland and a little bit of basketball, more football in Nebraska. But it's going to get real for them real quick. Uh, they just entered the top 25. And, you know, how do you get rewarded with it this weekend? Saturday, you're going to go and play Mississippi at home. That's going to be a fun game. Then you start your conference play or. Yeah, you start your conference play with Memphis. A that's, nice matchup that's at tough. home. And that's then you tough. You got to go on the road to Connecticut. And then two games from then, you play Houston, and then you're really into the thick of things. Big Shockers fan. Always love the Shockers. Yeah. Want to see them do well. Always, as a Kansas fan, always wanted to see Wichita State keep it rolling, too. I'm glad, while it meant almost the death of the Missouri Valley in terms of just an excitement factor conference, I was glad to see them get out of there and challenge themselves in the American. I, I think... You know, this is something that uh, the team we're going to talk about next, but I think a team like Dayton needs to do too mm-hmm. to really build up its brand. But yeah, Wichita State is really going to be an interesting this team to see how they work in the American and, you know, could they be a mid level sealed? Hey, and, uh, and real quick, like on the same line, because we know this happened with Dayton and Ohio State, the bigger, you know, program in the state of Ohio here, they don't play each other. And the NCAA selection committee said, oh, you won't play? Well, here you go. The seeding works out just fine this year. So here's a first-round matchup. You remember how Kansas and Wichita State, they got to meet in a tournament. I think it was a second-rounder, and I certainly know the result. That was Wichita State getting right. the job done. They were a great, great team that year, and deservedly so. I thought that was a, a great, fun game. I hated, of course, that my guys, my alma mater lost, but, you know, afterwards, I, was, I wasn't like, oh, I hope Wichita State loses in the next round. I was pulled for those guys yeah, after that. It was I, I good mean, for them. I love it when it doesn't happen to one of my teams for sure. But no, Wichita State's going to be fun to watch. But then we got to talk about the finish up, the mid-major madness part of this is Dayton and just the aspect of how important it's going to be for them to run the table. Oh, run the table. In the A-10. You know what they're doing? Uh, if you guys are listening to us right after we drop this, we're recording on December 31st, New Year's Eve. About to just get crazy here in Columbus, Ohio. All the late night parties, me and Evil Bald Colin will be there. Yeah, so you know. just be safe. But they are going to Philly. Dayton is going to, it'd be, uh, we should get our, our guy Trey Landers back up on the phone and ask him what the travel's like here because they're playing LaSalle on Thursday on the road, which everyone knows is in Philly, part of the famous Big Five. And they're also playing St. Joe's on Sunday afternoon at Hagen Arena, which is one that's on my venue bucket list. I'm actually trying to set up a Philly trip maybe for that weekend to also go to the Palestra on Saturday and maybe see Dayton at St. Joe's on Sunday before I start driving back here to Columbus. It's a nice little doubleheader. It's a big weekend because LaSalle, I see, is quite good. And St. Joe's, very bad. Phil Martelli was there forever. He's now on Michigan staff. So you got a new head coach. It's Billy Lang at St. Joe's who was with the Sixers, but it seems like all we looked it up. All the Philly guys seem to be Jay Wright dudes. LaSalle's head coach is a Jay Wright dude, and St. Joe's coach is a Jay Wright dude. You know, they're not joking when that city's basketball centric and they're all very intertwined in terms of those big five schools in that city. It's like we stay together. It's like this is a club, sure, right? Absolutely. You're in you, you're in the club, you stay in the club. But more talking about Dayton here, it's just, you know, looking on the schedule and how their conference play sets up. It's about as favorable as they can get is in terms of one of the other power teams in the conference. You're only going to see once and you're going to see them at home. And that's Davidson. You still have the home and home 
with VCU, but this is just really setting up for a team that if they want a higher seed, they're going to have to run the table and then win the tournament. Because if they don't win the A-10 tournament, I feel like this is a team that could get punished in the terms of like St. Mary's from a few years ago where they were like in a mix for like a, a four or five and they fell all the way down to like a, a nine or a 10 range. They it's need scary. They it, need George. They need other teams. They need to cheer for their conference. That's what they need to do. Sure. They need VCU, even LaSalle here that they're going to face Rhode Island, who we've always been talking about. Davidson has an ugly record here so far at six and six. George Mason, St. Louis, Duquesne, Richmond, VCU, LaSalle, Rhode Island. And all those guys. There's some tricky games in there. Like Richmond's not a pushover, and George Mason's looked half decent. But yeah, I mean, time, Mason's 11-2. and two. You got three 11-2 teams at the top in Dayton, Mason, and the Billikens. But that's the problem. As long as they're in this conference and they want to be a team that's in the higher seed region, they're going to have to dominate. All right, Evil Bald Colin. I think that's a wrap. I think we should break it right here. Take a little breather, ring in the new year, come back right before the weekend and see what else is on our minds when we've seen a, you know, we'll we'll get a couple of college basketball games under our belts. I don't quite know what they are at this point, but it's conference season everywhere. Can't wait. The marathons, the marathon starts now. It it really does. You got to get ready. I mean, if you want to be a high seed, you said it the right way back there. I'm proud of you, by the way. Dayton wants to get a high seed. You got to start winning games. You got to protect home court. Oh, 100%. That's what you you do. cannot lose any of these lower level A10 games at home. Everybody, really, we uh, we appreciate the early support in this new podcast here. We are excited to uh, hopefully grow it now that uh, college football season is closing and we're turning the calendar page and college hoops becomes really, really big. We're only eight episodes in, there's going to be many, many more. Please subscribe if you found us and you're listening to us. Tell your friends to just search Mad About Hoops anywhere that they get their podcasts and give us a rating and a review, and we certainly appreciate it. Be very, very safe, everyone. Happy New Year, right, Evil? Happy New Year.